Today's episode of Wire to Wire is brought to you by GameTime. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think NFL tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with GameTime, the ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. GameTime is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download GameTime in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. One game left, Monday Night Football between the Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions as we are sitting here recording this episode of Wire to Wire. I am your host, Michael Beller, joined as always by my Wire to Wire co-host, Brandon Funston. Funston, week seven, we are now officially just about halfway through the fantasy football, typical fantasy football regular season. Crazy. Crazy, but uh, still plenty of work to do. I don't know about you, but I got plenty of work to do. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are here for that same reason as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's time to get back to work again for another week. Yeah, not my uh, best fantasy week of the season. Dude, I'm just in my most important league, home league, 20-whatever years running. My first two picks, uh, super flex, so I was able to get Juju Smith-Schuster toward the end of the second round, and my first pick was Alvin Kamara, and those guys are just getting crushed by their quarterback injuries. Yeah, and you know, I've been dodging these huge weeks, and I was fortunate enough to have Will Fuller on a few teams last week. I haven't really got hit by that big game. This was the week that it all came and came back around on me because I think I played Stephon Diggs in every league possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was. I, I think it's you know, it was, it was high time I got hit by by that, but. Uh, that's not fun when it happens. No, never. You know it's going to happen eventually. It's going to happen to everyone throughout the season, but that doesn't make it any easier uh, to deal with, of course. And uh, we'll talk about Stefan Diggs probably with Jake on the uh, ranking show on Wednesday. I know Jake's already beaten the cell drum on him, so we'll have to get into that. But that is a different show, of course, the ranking show on Wednesday. Be sure to join us. You can follow me on Twitter at mbeller. You can follow Brandon at Brandon Funston. And we still have our uh, promotion going, 40% off an annual subscription, The Athletic dot com slash wire to wire let's talk about the waiver wire funston uh the last few weeks uh, we've been talking about how it's pretty meager uh pickings on the waiver wire that's the case again this week but i do think that if i had to grade the last three weeks i would give this one the highest grade i think there are some interesting guys out there we've got cleveland pittsburgh carolina and tampa all going on by as well so some big fantasy names our first a uh, big week of losing key guys to the uh, to their buys. Uh, it's our second four-team week, but last week wasn't really all that bad with Chicago, Oakland, Indy, and Buffalo. This is a different story this week. Again, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Carolina, and Tampa Bay all taking seats. Uh, we go for our with our top picks first off the uh, off the waiver wire, and the first one uh, low forty percent owned uh, across the industry, so you can still get him in plenty of leagues. And it's Jamison Crowder. Uh, we talked about him quite a bit last week, Funston. We said he was going to uh, bounce right back with Sam Darnold uh, under center, and he certainly did. Six catches on nine targets for 98 yards in the Jets' win over the Cowboys. In two games with Sam Darnold under center, Funston, Jamison Crowder has 26 targets, 20 catches, 
and 197 yards. For me, this is the easily top guy on the waiver wire if he's available in your league. Yeah, I mean, if you're an owner out there, are you interested in an average of 10 catches a game for almost 100 yards per game? <laughs> yeah, I, think I mean, so. that's what you're getting. I, I, you know, he's a nice compliment to Robbie Anderson, the, who's a vertical guy, and you got Le'Veon Bell. So these three guys are uh, right now uh, squarely in the crosshairs for uh, Sam Darnold, and Jamison Crowder is the only one you can really get. So go out there and get him. It's, it's this is pretty easy analysis here. I mean, you we always say follow the volume and. There's very few wide receivers that are getting the volume that uh, Crowder is while Darnold's been at quarterback. So uh, that's all you need to see. Yeah, and it's been really impressive, very effective. Uh, I watched a lot of that Jets-Cowboys game. I was heavily invested on the Jets side of things. So uh, it went well for me. And I just, uh, I mean, it just kept going back to Crowder, kept going back to Crowder. And Crowder, uh, on those six receptions, he was regularly wide open no cowboy defender anywhere near him he was not having to make too many contested catches if any contested catches in that game so that tells you uh, a just how important he is to this offense b just how effective he can be in the role that he has uh, for this new york jets offense and uh, i think if there was a buy low window on this jets offense it got slammed shut by the way they played against the cowboys in week six, uh, I really think that this is an offense that we're going to see a much different look out of in the second half than the first half because of having a healthy Sam Darnold back on the field. Yeah, and sound the alarms on him is what <laughs> that was a that was a, um, a noise effect that we we put in there on purpose because oh that's yeah how for sure it is that you need to go out and get Jamison Crowder. <laughs> yeah, you're going to want, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll trade for Darnold, even though I don't typically want to trade in in one quarterback leagues. I'll trade for Robbie Anderson at this point, uh, but uh, I'm really excited to see what this Jets offense can do now that we actually are seeing the Jets offense as it was constructed in the offseason for the first time all year. Um, another receiver who has been in our wire-to-wire shows uh, over the last couple of weeks still has a stubbornly low ownership rate. It's Auden Tate, and he makes our top picks again this week. 12 targets in the game against the Ravens, caught five of them for 91 yards. Over his last four games, he has 18 catches on 34 targets for 255 yards and a touchdown. Funston, that's just shy of five catches and nine targets per game uh, at, say, about 65 yards per game. Uh, we keep having to say it like that. There is value in a player like that in every single fantasy league. I don't care how shallow your league might be. Auden Tate is someone who absolutely has to be owned with A.J. Green's return still uh, down the uh, down the road a little bit with John Ross's re- potential return way down the road if he even does make it back this season. Auden Tate, someone who I-, I think absolutely in any competitive league should be on a roster. Yeah, you basically just said it. I mean, this is a this is a environment in Cincinnati where they're going to have to throw him. We've seen that Andy Dalton's thrown uh, you know I think as much as anybody other than Kyler Murray. Um, this is not a good defense. They're zero and six. They're chasing all the time, and as you mentioned, they're having injuries. John Ross will be out for a while. I think Tyler Green is probably out. I think he'll end up being out at least until after AJ. their bye. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What did I say, Tyler? Tyler Green putting the yeah. two guys together. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think AJ Green will be out until probably after the bye. I'd be surprised if he play. I mean, what's the point? Like, it makes why too much sense that? just to sit him yeah. until the bye. Yeah, you got an ankle injury. He's a veteran guy. You're zero and six. What what do you gain by bringing him back before the bye? It seems like the perfect time. So you got at least a couple more games of Auden Tate getting this high volume, and and I wouldn't be surprised if he you know if he doesn't disappear uh, you know after that he still remains a fixture in this passing game. As I said, it's a very ripe environment for high volume passing. There's always the opportunity of an AJ Green trade too, right? I mean, it just feels he's 31 years I, old. Yeah. It just I feels feel like, like there is. I mean, Zach Taylor is kind of being preemptive about saying that they're not going to, but mm-hmm. to me, where there's smoke, 
uh, there's often fire. So. Well, just it just feels like there's realistically he's just not going to be part of a competitive team in Cincinnati again. No, they're a ways off. Uh, absolutely. What is he? Thirty-two years old. Yeah, thirty-one, uh, thirty-two, right in there. Yeah, right in there. So you know, what's what do you what do you hope? AJ Green probably if he's if he's looking in the mirror saying I would like to go somewhere where I have a chance to you know be with a contender and and maybe get a chance to get into the postseason. He hasn't been to too many of those in his in his time in, in Cincinnati, so he may be all for it as well. I would love to see it too. He's yeah. always been one of my favorite guys since he entered the league. I would love to see him get a chance at some postseason success before his career's up. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And that would only uh, reinforce Auden Tate's uh, fantasy value. So he is our number two guy, our number three guy. Uh, we actually debated this a little bit. We knew it was going to be one of the running backs who is uh, stepping into a larger role, be it because of uh, uh, organic reasons or injury reasons or a combination of the both. We ultimately landed on Chase Edmonds because of all the guys, and we'll talk about the other ones after this, he's the one who in a neutral situation, assuming that his starter is healthy, he's going to have the most standalone value. That's why we chose Chase Edmonds as our third rounding out our top three picks on the waiver wire for week seven. Yeah. You know, this is a, you know, here's the deal. I mean, I guess standalone value, obviously a couple weeks ago, he got a bigger role than usual because David Johnson's back locked up, but you know, he's getting six to six to 10 touches over the last three weeks. But what I think you, you like about Arizona is they, they have so many plays from scrimmage that they gonna they're going to need somebody to, you know, spell David Johnson, uh, you know, maybe more than so than you would on a traditional offensive setting. So, uh, and, and they're just different, you know, David Johnson's kind of this Adonis big back and Chase Edmonds is smaller kind of change of pace guy. So you could see there being standalone value to continue uh, going forward, I, this isn't a guy you're going to get rich with. Uh, maybe if David Johnson were to get hurt, and so it's a nice little insurance policy if you have David Johnson, or it's a nice gamble if you don't, but you're hoping that maybe you know Edmonds falls into a bigger role. But even if he doesn't, I think there'll be weeks going forward. Of, and you know, what do we go by? Go to like week 11 or week 12. Yep. Um, there's going to be times when it makes sense for you looking at your roster because it's depleted that you're like, yeah, Chase Edmonds, I bet you he'll get eight to 10 touches. Um, and, and you know, he can, he's athletic enough and dynamic enough. He can make something big happen. We've seen it happen a few times already. Uh, yeah, I'm going to plug him into my flex spot. So there's going to be utility for him. Even if David Johnson stays healthy, there'll be soft spots in, in the, uh, in the schedule, uh, namely at the giants this week is coming up. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, Tampa Bay in a couple of weeks, probably not a bad way to go either. There are just going to be some spots where you're going to be able to maybe plug him in as a flex and feel good about it. Yeah, last week, meaning week five, uh, 86 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown on 11 touches. And then this past week in the win over uh, Atlanta, he had, what, 67 yards and a touchdown on seven touches. So the guy pops. I mean, when he gets opportunities, he certainly pops. He can go back to week four even, uh, six carries for 37 yards against Seattle. So, I mean, he is going to show up when he gets his opportunities. I think we can trust him there. So, as you said, at the very least, he's a bi-week guy. He's going to have some standalone value. Got to believe that after what we've seen from him the last three weeks, uh, they're going to be able to work him in, find ways to get him in alongside David Johnson. And this Arizona offense, not only do they run a ton of plays, Funston, but things really are starting to come together for them. Uh, just put up 34 on Atlanta yesterday. They put up 26 on Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago. Uh, things are starting to coalesce in that Arizona offense. And I think this is another group like the Jets. You want to be buying where you can, because I think we could see a huge second half performance of the season from this Arizona Cardinals offense. 
Yeah, you know, I think about Edmonds. It's like maybe like a couple years ago, this version of Austin Eckler, maybe a guy sure. that you know in this offense can be, you know, start really accumulating from the passing game and and pop, you know, on limited carries week in and week out. So uh, it's definitely there's definitely utility, as I said, for a guy like that. Yeah, and that's why he makes our last spot in the top three picks we're looking at on the waiver wire for week seven. We'll move on now to the running back spot. Uh, again, it's going to be a lot of guys in that same vein as Chase Edmonds. We'll start with Benny Snell. Uh, James Conner suffered a quad injury in the Steelers' Sunday night win over the Chargers, and that let Benny Snell get a ton of work, 17 carries, turned it into 75 yards in that victory. You got a good glimpse of what he could do if he were ever asked to be the main back in Pittsburgh. Now, what complicates this, the, Pit the Steelers have a bye this coming week, so obviously you're not going to be playing Snell this week if you do grab him. It doesn't sound like the Connor injury is all that serious. You also have Jalen Samuels working his way back uh, from uh, a knee injury of his own. He might not be back right after the bye, but got to believe it can't be more than a week or two after that. So Benny Snell could have his role immediately reduced once we see Pittsburgh back in the field. I still feel, though, like he's worth a claim at this point. Yeah, because coming out of the bye, you have Miami. Uh, so even if it's only for one game, it might be a, a very nice game at that. But uh, yeah, you know, you want your for the last several years, you always need to be invested in what uh, the, the players that the Pittsburgh Steelers are using in that backfield. It's been one of the most lucrative backfields for fantasy for, I don't know, six to 10 years. It feels like a very long time that Pittsburgh's just been churning out running back production. So anybody who's getting touches back there, you want to be interested in. And as I said, Miami coming off the bye, Benny Snell not going to, doesn't, you know, likely not going to be one of these classic Pittsburgh receivers that they use a lot in the passing game. He doesn't, you know, it's kind of a one dimensional back a little bit, but as my former colleague, Brad Evans used to call these guys a, like a rolling beer keg, you know, five foot 10, 225 pounds. Um, it's just, uh, you know, it's just kind of a, a bruiser, but uh, looked pretty good against the, against the chargers. As he said, 75 yards. If he's going to get carries against Miami, I want him. Yeah, definitely. And uh, keeps the uh, gets us back in the uh, University of Kentucky uh, love in the in the fantasy world. Right. It's been Randall Cobb has had, been had a few down years in a row. So maybe uh, he gets Kentucky back into the uh, NFL fantasy football mix. So uh, right. got to love that out of Benny Snell. Uh, I agree with you. Maybe he's a he's a bye week guy or uh, if these injuries prove a little bit more serious, then he might have a little bit more upside uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, over in Los Angeles, we had Todd Gurley take a seat in the Rams, a uh, really dispiriting loss to the San Francisco 49ers uh, because of his knee and well they're, they're calling it a thigh contusion, but I don't know, something about that feels a little fishy to me. 10 days off I don't know. I'm not so sure that the, the knee isn't uh, really what's uh, what bothering him and keeping him out. Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson uh, got the uh, majority or in the entirety of the work in the Rams' backfield. Malcolm Brown led the team in carries, 11 for 40 yards. Daryl Henderson was the more effective player, six carries for 39 yards, got two targets, caught one of them for nine. Uh, Todd Gurley obviously is going to uh, be the guy who really drives this conversation. Uh, if he's able to play, then, you know, Henderson and Brown maybe are relegated to the roles that they were before this week. But I think at this point, you got to put in a claim for one or both of these guys because things could get ugly for Todd Gurley in this Rams uh, running game uh, before they get any better. Uh, next three games, they got Falcons, Bengals, and then a bye for their next three weeks. So uh, I think you make a move for either of them. Do, do one of them, does one of them stand out for you above the other? 
Well, I, I mean, I guess Malcolm Brown, just because he's been in the hierarchy of, uh, you know, he's been the guy who's kind of been the immediate re replacement for Gurley. I, I think a lot of people thought it was Henderson going into the year that, it would get, you know, he was like the big handcuff guy. But that first week we saw Malcolm Brown pop. And so since then, I haven't really seen enough to say that Henderson's ready to make his move over Malcolm Brown. But it sh certainly looks like they will use these guys more in concert than they did uh, Gurley and, and Malcolm Brown together when when Gurley was kind of, you know, quote unquote healthy. But uh, I love the I love the schedule for the next two games. That's uh, th weird because the Rams are three and three now. They desperately need a win. So I think if Gurley is healthy enough, they would use him. But uh, it, I, I think if they if it's is really like his knee, like they would love to probably give him the next few weeks off and let him have a bye week and 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 maybe come back strong after that. So if they can get away with it, I'm sure they're going to lean on Brown and Henderson an awful lot, and um, and they'll use Gurley as little as possible the next two weeks. That that just makes a ton of sense. So mm -hmm. I think both of these guys, as you mentioned, they need to be they need to be picked up. If I had to choose who I'd rather have, uh, probably Malcolm Brown. Yeah, I think I would lean that way too. Even though I feel like Henderson, the, the I think the upside's higher with Henderson, right? Especially, Absolutely, I mean, that's, that's, that's the hard part to kind of like. Yeah, like you and, want you're drawn to upside like that. And the fact that he got not that either of them did anything meaningful in the passing game, but at least he got two targets. Malcolm Brown got zero. Yeah. So it feels like Henderson would at least take over that part of Gurley's role. Yeah. Um, again, it's like these these are two two nice uh, opponents in the Falcons in the Bengals. So I think they can have success running the ball. I think they can have success throwing to their running backs. Uh, so I can see if it's no girly for the next two games, Henderson and Brown could have a very, you know, maybe even split in terms of fantasy value. Yeah, definitely putting in claims for, for both of those guys. And um, we'll see. I think it's a good point you make about the Rams, even though they're desperate for a win. Maybe they feel like they can get these next two without using Gurley at all or very sparingly. And then by the time they come back out of their bye, he's had five weeks effectively off. So uh, we'll be interesting to see how the Rams attack these next couple of weeks. Uh, we got to mention Adrian Peterson here uh, did what was expected of him against the soft Miami Dolphins, 23 carries, 118 yards. Uh, I lo I've long said that Adrian Peterson is one of the easiest players to predict in fantasy. If it's a game <laughs> where they're playing a horrible team like Miami and you expect them to win, he's probably going to get plenty of ca carries and, and be able to sort of bludgeon a bad defense. If it's a game where they're expected to lose or they're playing a tough defense, as is the case uh, most weeks, at least in terms of the losing part, then he might not get a whole lot of work. Uh, the next three look pretty tough for him. San Francisco this week, Minnesota next week, Buffalo the week after that. I think Adrian Peterson generally should be owned, but I don't know how you would start him against any of those teams unless you were absolutely desperate. Yeah, that's a murderer's row. And so, look, he played Dallas-Chicago the first two weeks. He had 25 rushing yards, 37 rushing yards. Even against the Giants, 28 rushing yards. New England, 18 rushing yards. As you said, very predictable. We saw that Miami game, and we said, you know what? This is a week that's perfect for Adrian Peterson to get some volume. He got 23 carries, got his yardage. He looked good, but it's Miami. I mean, San Francisco, Minnesota, and Buffalo – are three of the very toughest uh, run defenses in the league. Two of those games will be on the road. I don't really expect that Washington will be very competitive, with the exception of maybe the Buffalo game. Uh, you know, that could be a game where it would be a little bit competitive. But right. the San Francisco-Minnesota games the next two weeks, I think they're going to be chasing most likely and probably not going to be a whole lot of volume, probably be a lot of what you saw the first four weeks from Adrian Peterson. So I agree he deserves to be owned. 
just don't expect to use them anytime soon. Maybe after the bye, when they get the Jets in Detroit at home, and there's you know maybe another soft spot along the way. But he's just kind of insurance for you. Yeah, too big a role in his offense to not have some depth value in all fantasy leagues, but that's really all he is, is depth value. And you find a predictable spot like against a Miami, you can play him with some confidence. That's certainly not going to be the case against San Francisco, Minnesota, or Buffalo, unless you are absolutely desperate, which could come into play with all the buys that we have coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, Latavius Murray had his uh, most active game for the Saints. Eight carries for 44 yards, caught all three of his targets for 35 yards. you got Alvin Kamara dealing with an ankle injury, so that's what led to the uptick in usage for Latavius Murray. Uh, this is going to be a hard one to predict because Alvin Kamara has handled that backfield, uh, I think, to a larger degree than many people expected. Uh, with After the signing of Latavius Murray, a lot of people thought this would be not quite a one-for-one trade with Mark Ingram because Latavius Murray is not the receiving threat that Ingram is, but that he would take over a lot of the Ingram role. And before this week, that really hadn't been the case. It had just been a whole lot more Alvin Kamara. Um, Now that we've seen an effective game out of Latavius Murray, maybe a trend in that direction, but again, we're kind of flying blind, right? Until we see a fully healthy Alvin Kamara out there again, we might not know what the Saints' usage is going to be with these two backs for the long term. And the Saints have a tough matchup in Week 7 heading to Chicago to take on a Bears team that will uh, be coming off a bye. So we've had two weeks of rest. Uh, That's why Latavius Murray, for me, uh, probably behind Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson just because of the upside there, probably ahead of Adrian Peterson, maybe right in there with Benny Snell, maybe a little bit ahead of Snell. But that's where uh, that's about where I have him in the pecking order. It's just a hard situation to diagnose with uh, Alvin Kamara there. Yeah, you know, if I had to just play Nostradamus here and see, think about how they might play this out for the next couple of weeks, because their bye is in week nine, that's going to be a nice time for Kamara to help, you know, get some rest and, and get healthy. And then conceivably they'd have Drew Brees coming back after the bye. But that's an Arizona game at home in week eight where you might have a chance to, to rest Kamara even a little bit more. Uh, I think they're going to have to play it like they did against Jacksonville uh, last week for this upcoming game at Chicago. They're probably going to try to get as much out of Kamara as they can, even though they know he's not 100% healthy. They'll use Latavius Murray in concert, and it might be some kind of an even, even split like we saw in, in this past game against Jacksonville. But I could see them really leaning on Latavius Murray in that Arizona game if, the, if it plays out with them getting a lead and being able to kind of like, uh, you know, play it conservative in the second half of their nursing a lead. And that would give Kamara a little bit of rest time leading into the bye. So I think it's not a bad call picking up Murray. Maybe, you know, if you in a tight pinch, maybe you have to throw him out there now. But I think he could be, you know, he could pay off for you even bigger in that Arizona game uh, a week from now. Yeah, relatively safe short-term value. So if you're someone who's been leaning on, uh, as you would if you have him, Nick Chubb, James Conner, Christian McCaffrey, uh, with all them taking a seat this week, Latavius Murray might not be a one-week, bad one-week plug-and-play, even with the, the matchup against Chicago. And then if he uh, keeps that role a little bit, uh, the, the Arizona game that you mentioned in Week 8, those could be decent spots for Latavius Murray, even if Alvin Kamara is uh, still out there playing his usual role. Uh, Mark Walton, the last guy I really want to talk about here, um, he actually technically got the start for Miami in this game against Washington over Kenyon Drake. Now, Kenyon Drake out-touched him 16-11, and Drake was pretty darn uh, effective in those 16 touches, 10 carries for 40 yards, six uh, catches on nine targets for 30 yards. So, uh, you know, turned those 16 touches into 70 yards from scrimmage, and you like seeing the nine targets. But Mark Walton uh, did his thing as well, six carries for 32 yards. He got six targets of his own, caught five of them, 443, just like we said for Adrian Peterson. 
It was the Miami defense for Mark Walton. It was the Washington defense, and uh, things get a little bit tougher going forward. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and the New York Jets, Miami's next three games. Depth, right? I mean, this is. A, do you even think Mark Walton can be a depth guy? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, this is a Miami where they're going to be throwing a lot, and, and Kenyon Drake uh, and Walton, they're both, you know, got a lot of targets. I could see that being the case going forward against toughest, you know, against tough defenses. Running backs can still get those dump off passes and be kind of a, you know, put up you know, just a decent but ugly fantasy numbers, right? In PPR leagues and half PPR leagues. So this is a guy that was, you know, a fourth round running back out of Miami, uh, went to Cincinnati, did not endear himself there. And, and the Dolphins, you know, sought him out in the trade, brought him over. And or did they trade for him or did they just get him off the off the scrap heap? I can't I think remember, they picked but... him up off the scrap heap. But either way, okay. they, they clearly showed an interest. Yeah, they showed an interest. He's a talented guy. You know, he's just had some off the field stuff. And uh, but I think, you know, they they showed an intent. They like to bring him in. And and same deal. Kenyon Drake can never kind of clear his way as the clear bell cow there in Miami. I don't know what it is. He doesn't do anything to endear himself to the coaching staffs or something, because there's been multiple coaches there that have kind of refused to put Kenyon Drake uh, as the bell cow guy, even though, you know, he's flashed plenty and and kind of things have kind of looked like that should be the case. So I would not be surprised if this is kind of a similar workload split going forward. And, you know, a lot of Mark Walton's production is going to come through the air. Can he be a poor man's, I don't know, Chris Thompson kind of guy. I think he can. Uh, there's, you know, as they say, we expect them to throw the ball most weeks uh, a fair amount. So, yeah, I think he's, he's a depth guy, but again, we're talking through week 12, you're going to have to plug some holes here and there. And he's, right now someone who's worth a look at least yeah I agree 15 combined targets for those two backs might not happen every week but uh, it gives you a little bit of an indication of how the Dolphins want to and are going to play and we'll have to see how that quarterback situation shakes out after Ryan Fitzpatrick replaced Josh Rosen in the loss to Washington almost brought him back from 17 nothing to 17 16 in a two-point conversion uh, to try to get the victory but uh, it was for naught but maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick ends up being the starter there now at least in the short term one more guy just to mention really quickly uh, stash Daryl Williams, just in case of injury to Damian Williams or LaShawn McCoy. We've seen what he can do. He got one touch in uh, the the Chiefs loss to the Texans in week six, and he turned it into a 52-yard reception. We know what sort of role he would play if injury happened to befall one of those two guys, and we know what he can do in that role. So if you've got some room for a stash, Daryl Williams is one of the top guys you could go after. Let's move on now to the wide receiver position again. Just to uh, reiterate, Jamison Crowder, Auden Tate are easily the top two receivers you could go after if they are available in your leagues. Not so much behind them, but we start with Deshaun Hamilton. I uh, got two targets, caught them both for 25 yards against the Titans. That's not why he's here, though. Emmanuel Sanders suffered a knee injury in that game. For now, the Broncos don't seem too concerned, but Deshaun Hamilton still could be worth a pickup this week uh, because uh, it's a short week for this Denver team. They are playing Kansas City on Thursday. That means less time for Emmanuel Sanders to recover. Could be a one-week plug-and-play for the Odell Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Big week for wide receiver buys. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton, if you are in a pinch, could be someone who helps you out uh, against the Chiefs on Thursday night. Yeah, if you know, if uh, it, it is true that Sanders' knee injury is not a big deal um, and that he'll be back out there, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's hopefully you get some information before you have to make your waiver claim because this would be a, you know, this 
this is kind of like it's a decent matchup if if Hamilton gets thrust into a bigger role. But you're not going to really probably going to want to carry him if San, Sanders is back out there. Um, so yeah, hopefully the news cycle will will be such that you'll have some kind of an indication which way things are trending with Sanders before you have to make a claim. Yeah, would would imagine that would be the case too with them playing on Thursday night. Yeah, you know the the injury reporting requirements. We'll probably know a little bit more about Manny uh, than we would if they were playing on Sunday. Yeah. So, uh, but a guy who I think could show up for you last uh, last four games last season uh, had a lot of people excited about him coming into this year. Uh, Twenty five catches, thirty eight targets, one hundred eighty two yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, then Emmanuel Sanders made his miraculous recovery from the Achilles injury he suffered at the end of last season, and that pushed. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton out of the picture in Denver but uh, we know uh, he can be a high potential guy if he does get an opportunity to play a large role in the passing game next up is Dante Pettis Uh, again another guy who didn't put up huge numbers this week uh, caught three balls for 45 yards but the number that does jump out six targets his high of the season and he had the second most targets on the team behind George Kittle Uh, we know that this is a team that's going to live with the run game and George Kittle but they're going to need something out of their receivers. And bottom line is that Debo Samuel and Marquise Goodwin just have not given them anything really this season. I think it might be time for Dante Pettis to get an opportunity to be that wide receiver one that we all thought he was going to be for them coming into the season. Yeah, you said it. The problem is, is the defense is great. The running running game is great. And, you know, the need to throw the ball. Um, there's just been no clear hierarchy kind of established at that wide receiver position this year it's been george kittle you know they've thrown to the backs a bit and that's been the thing but as far as consistency with these receivers just hasn't happened i i like dante pettis i like his talent uh, he had a nice catch almost scored a touchdown in this rams game yep. uh he's you know he's got speed he's he's slippery he can run routes well so there's a lot to talk about in liking him it's just you just don't like the setup with this offense and, and debo samuel I, he's another guy that like Every time he catches the ball, you're impressed with the way his yards after the catchability, the way he catches and the way he runs violently and he's athletic. So just in, in you know, plugged into the context of this team, it's been tough. Um, so right now I'm with you, though. I just think the, the ceiling's still going to be pretty limited. Yeah, I agree with you there. I just think that they're going to need some as effective as they've been able to play and they're undefeated. So uh, things are working out pretty well for the San Francisco 49ers. I just feel like they're going to need something more out of the receivers eventually. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with that. Um, and do, you would agree that Marquise Goodwin's the is the the third guy here. Oh yeah, and, zero. Yeah. I, I think it, I think there's a reasonable chance. I, you know, if I had to like guess who was going to be the best between Pettis and Samuel going forward, I think it's pretty close. I think you could argue so both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So. so- Yep, but uh, both of them could uh, have a little bit of fantasy value here as we look at the San Francisco team. Next three games, Washington, Carolina, and Arizona. So some decent matchups there, but could be games that they dominate with the run game and defense yet again. Uh, let's go to Philip Dorsett here. He missed their uh, the Patriots' Week 6 win over the Giants with a hamstring injury, uh, but he's been able to uh, do his thing with his limited opportunity. 15 catches on 23 targets for 197 yards and three touchdowns. Josh Gordon suffered at first what looked like an, an ugly knee injury it doesn't sound like it's too serious, but uh, got to believe that Dorsett uh, does have some value here. And if Gordon does miss, you know, even if it's just a week or two, then uh, Dorsett's value in those individual games increases. Yeah, you know, 
Dorsett's going to be a, a decent dice roll every week because of the way that offense is set up. And he's their vertical deep threat guy. And, you know, Tom Brady can lull a defense into thinking about Julian Edelman, all those underneath routes. And there's always going to be opportunities that will present themselves. And the Patriots are good at knowing when those opportunities are there and going for it. So Dorsett most weeks is going to get a couple of chances on some big plays because that's his role in this offense. And if it hits, which it's done a few times so far, uh, it works out pretty nicely for a fancy owner. So um, he's a decent guy to have. I think he needs to be on all rosters just for that reason. Yeah, next three games, Jets, Browns, and Ravens for this New England team. Then I think a buy after that Ravens game. So uh, you could get some value there. I think you uh, you pretty much hit that nail on the head there. Uh, because of the way this offense is constructed, Philip Dorsett's always going to be a decent dice roll. One thing to keep an eye on, Nikhil Harry, the rookie uh, first-round pick for the Patriots, he is going to start practicing this week. He's been on IR with a designation to return all season because of an ankle injury. So he'll still procedurally have to be out a couple of more weeks, but they are going to get him back soon, and, and that could muddy the waters eventually for Philip Dorsett, but it's not something you have to worry about uh, in week seven or week eight. So Dorsett, someone with some short-term value here. Um, how about the Titans, uh, Funston? Now, we're not sure just yet if it's going to be Ryan Tannehill or Marcus Mariota under center for this team. Mariota removed for his poor play in the 16 nothing loss to the Broncos. Let's just assume for the time being, though, that it is Tannehill. Are you buying anyone on that team with the move from Mariota to Tannehill, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, A.J. Brown? Uh, Corey Davis has uh, an ownership rate in the low 40s. Uh, Brown and Humphreys widely available across the fantasy landscape. Are you willing to put any value into these guys uh, if Tannehill does indeed take over as the starter? I, you know, I, I kind of always liked Adam Humphreys. He, he was pretty good last year on the Bucks, And, you know, I look at him as like, could he have similar value to like Cole Beasley in Buffalo, right? Like uh, not, not big time touchdown upside, but you look at his targets. He had week three, he had nine. Uh, we basically averaged six targets over the last month. So that's, that's decent target workload. I mean, maybe Cole Beasley light. <laughs> that's, if that's a, an endorsement. What an, which yeah. I'm, what an I'm endorsement. Not, <laughs> <laughs> which is another way of saying, I don't really, I'm not really interested in any of these guys, yeah. uh, to be honest with you. But if I was if I was in a full PPR league, and it was you know maybe a 14 team league, I would consider Adam Humphreys. Yeah, you know where I stand on this Tennessee team. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm with you. I, I felt like we had to talk about it in case Tannehill does take over, and he did get that offense moving a little bit in the few possessions he got to captain. Um, still didn't score any points, but uh, he did have them moving. Uh, they would have, you know, right? They had to. There was a, at least one where they were in comfortable field goal range, and I think two where at that point of the game they had to go for touchdowns and they failed to convert on fourth down. But uh, at least the offense was moving a little bit with Tannehill. But I agree. Um, I'm not going to really put any stock into anyone in this Tennessee offense who isn't named Derrick Henry. One more guy who I want to get into in at least some depth uh, because of your location there in the Pacific Northwest. Jaron Brown uh, got two touchdowns in the Seahawks win over the Browns. Uh, Will Disley, really unfortunate, suffers an Achilles injury last year after the torn ACL. Now this, he was really uh, emerging and becoming a standout player uh, for the Seahawks and in the fantasy world. That obviously brings an end to his season. Uh, but Jaron Brown, two touchdowns, and they were both inside the red zone. One from 17 yards, one from six yards. Those are balls that maybe could have gone to Disley had he uh, been out there. Um, do we think that Jaron Brown has any sort of value? 
Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. He's got what seven touchdowns now and 25 career uh, catches with the Seahawks. He's been, <laughs> he's kind of been their red zone guy. Um, and yeah, maybe there's something to the fact with Disley out. I think, you know, David Moore is another guy they had that it was kind of a touchdown, big, a big target touchdown guy and, and DK Metcalf. So I think the problem here is Russell Wilson is really good at seeing the, seeing the field and he's just going to throw it to who's ever open. And it's really hard. He doesn't really kind of, other than Tyler Lockett, he's not somebody who just kind of has to have that trusty, you know, target for, you know, this particular, you know, end of the field or in the middle of the field or whatever. He's just going to throw it to who's there. So uh, the fact that Brown's a big target and the fact that Disley's out, maybe gives him a little bit more red zone, uh, looks but i think is in terms of just consistency and getting yards to go with those occasional touchdowns it's just not going to happen so you know i would put him and david moore david i would not be surprised if david moore starts to flash like this every so often uh down the stretch as well but i think overall it probably means good things for for tyler lockett and dk right. metcalf because they've, they've been kind of like the consistent guys in this passing game yeah, I agree with you completely. Jaron Brown, David Moore, more sort of like DFS dart throws than uh, season-long guys that you're going to want to have on your team or ever really in your lineup. But two touchdowns, I feel like uh, waiver, a waiver wire show, we uh, sort of have to talk about a guy who scores two touchdowns and is widely available. Uh, just another big group of wide receivers that we've already talked about plenty in wire-to-wire, so we're not going to waste much time on them. I'll just run through them. Uh, the Dolphins trio of Preston Williams, Albert Wilson, and Devontae Parker, these guys are what they are. They've already had their bye, so there's something to that next three games come against the bills Steelers and Jets uh, Kiki Cutie four catches on six targets for 39 yards against the Chiefs could be the wide receiver three and what is shaping up to be a very explosive offense so that could bring uh, some value to the table with the bye week portion of the schedule here uh, the Texans get the Colts Raiders and Jaguars in their next three a couple of bills another team that already had their bye they have two very uh, favorable matchups in their next uh, three games or their next two games are both favorable matchups in fact, that would maybe their next three all favorable Miami this week, then Philadelphia the week after, then Washington the week after that. So Cole Beasley, uh, we know he's a target monster on that team. And Duke Williams, the uh, former CFL standout, uh, the game before the bye had four catches on four targets for 29 yards and a touchdown. So perhaps he takes advantage of this matchup with the Dolphins this week or Eagles next week if you're hit by bye. Could be a nice short-term guy to take a look at. Amari Cooper left Dallas's loss to the Jets with a quad injury, so maybe that opens up some more opportunities for Randall Cobb and Devin Smith, who also missed the game, or Tavon Austin, who uh, had a shockingly large role with Amari <laughs> Cooper out uh, after he suffered the injury. And then finally, Deontay Johnson didn't do anything uh, for the Steelers last night, but Mason Rudolph uh, should be back soon, and in the two full games with Mason Rudolph, Deontay Johnson, nine catches, 12 targets, 129 yards, and two touchdowns. So that's a quick list of the other guys you might want to look at. And uh, Jake Seeley, as you know, will have the full list of waiver targets to go after with his waiver wire column once that is available midnight Eastern on Monday night. We turn our attention now to the tight end position. Uh, will Disley off the board, as we just mentioned. Uh, let's see, this week, uh, no, it's Greg Olson goes on a buy. I think people have probably given up on O.J. Howard at this point, but uh, could be a spot where people are looking for some help and we can provide it in the in the form of a few guys here. Chris Herndon is the first one. Uh, so we were all excited about getting Chris Herndon back uh, this week. Then he suffers a hamstring injury in practice, but should be able to return soon. And, and I still feel like Funston, especially with the Disley injury, uh, that Herndon, once he is back, he automatically becomes like a low-end tight end one. 
Yeah, unless you were like, you know, hit the lottery and Hunter Henry was available for you like last week or the week before. Um, you know, this is about as good as as you can hope to get coming off the waiver wire for a while and Chris Herndon. So uh, it sounds like maybe week eight is his return. Uh, tough one this week against New England anyways. So if you can somehow get, get by for a week, Chris Herndon looks like a pretty good one that can, you know, I think give you back end uh, tight end one class production once he does return to action, you know, and we're thinking it's probably going to be week eight. And we saw an immediately effective Jets offense with Sam Darnold back. Uh, we talked about Jamison Crowder already, a 92-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson. This is a completely different offense with Sam Darnold on the field. So I do think Chris Herndon jumps into that tight end one discussion the day that he makes his return. A couple of other uh, sort of lower volume or lower value uh, tight ends that I think we should discuss. Darren Fells uh, scored a touchdown two weeks ago or two touchdowns in that game for the Texans two weeks ago. Didn't get a ton of volume in the game. This past week on Sunday with the win over the Chiefs, he did six catches on seven targets for 69 yards. That's enough. You put together two games like that, Funston, and you right away become in the tight end stream discussion. Yeah, as we talked about how bad this tight end class is, but what happened to Jordan Aikens, man? He was he flashed a few weeks ago, like week three, at seventy three yards and two touchdowns, and and now it's kind of like get to the point here where we don't know which which one of these guys is going to be Watson's preferred guy. Um, but Aikens had three catches for thirty nine yards, so these guys will cannibalize each other a little bit. But right now, it looks like Fells is uh, probably the one to target over Aikens. Yeah, I agree. And again, there's, there's, it's looking like there's not a bad way to get invested in the Houston offense with that uh, team really turning a corner and putting together a couple of huge games, a monster win over Kansas City for that Texans team in week six. Last tight end, I want to talk about Dawson Knox. Uh, he's another guy who's had a little bit of opportunity the last couple of weeks, last three games, eight catches on 12 targets for 137 yards and a touchdown in a nice upcoming schedule with Miami, Philadelphia and Washington, the next three teams coming up for the Buffalo Bills. So, look, Dawson Knox is not going to win you any leagues. Uh, Dawson Knox is maybe not going to be someone you have on your team more than one week, but the schedule is favorable in the short term, and that really, combined with what he's done recently, is enough to get someone uh, some attention at the tight end position. Yeah, the next three games coming off the bye, as you mentioned, Miami, Philadelphia, Washington, those guys have all been decently generous to the tight end position. Those are all home games, and you've had the bye to kind of work on things some more. If you're a Will Disley owner and you lost him, he's not a bad guy to like, you know, plug in short term, maybe get some production out of that. Uh, they get Miami twice in the next five weeks. So it might be, it might be a decent run for Dawson Knox here in the short term. Uh, you know, as you said, not going to win your leagues, but you know, another three for 58, like he put up against new England that, you know, you could see him sprinkling in, a few of those games uh, over the next few weeks. And you'll take that. I mean, if you are someone who's grasping at straws at the tight end position, you will absolutely take that. In fact, I would say that because of the upcoming schedule and what he's shown us recently, um, he might be the guy you go after, like as your top yeah. guy, if you, if you did just lose Will Disley, or if you are someone who, you know, isn't lucky enough to have one of the seven or eight tight ends we trust week in, week out, right? Like what if you, what are you doing if you thought Gerald Everett was the answer? And yeah. then he, he yeah. picked up no, this, I, I, this goose egg or uh, a nothing game, although could have had a nice big touchdown at the end there if Jared Goff didn't overthrow him. Yeah, and you got they, they, they got rid of Zay Jones in Buffalo as well. So they're just, uh, you know, it's it's basically going to be John Brown, Cole Beasley, and Dawson Knox, you would think, you know, as kind of like the, the big three in that passing game right now. So this is a good time as we talk about the schedule. Uh, you know, that should 
play that should play out well for volume and you know you would think the production would follow yeah another guy who you might want to take a look at not that you're going to pick him up on the waiver wire is Devin Singletary should be back from his hamstring injury and this Bills uh, second half schedule very soft we already talked about their next three opponents Brandon you mentioned they get the Dolphins again uh, shortly after so uh, this is a nice spot to try to get in on the Buffalo Bills offense I think we could see a big second half of the season out of Devin Singletary Let's talk quarterbacks to stream here, Funston, in week seven. Uh, we talked about this in last Friday's Wire to Wire uh, uh, episode. That's the word I was looking for. Last Friday episode of Wire to Wire, quarterbacks that we might be streaming in week seven. I think I know where you're going, um, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you throw it out there. Who's your top quarterback to stream here? Oh, it's got to be Josh Allen, right? Coming coming back off the bye, getting Miami, as we talked about why we like Dawson Knox at tight end. Well, Josh Allen would be the guy throwing him the ball. And if you look at – these Dolphins, they've given up at least two touchdown passes uh, to every every team they've faced. Uh, they've given up a couple of touchdown runs. Of course, Josh Allen can get it done on the ground as well as we know. So, uh, yeah, to me, he's a pretty safe plug and play if you're in the quarterback stream world this week. Yeah, I agree with you completely. He's uh, right up against that threshold, so might be owned in a decent amount of leagues, but if he's out there, I think he's the number one guy. Um, I'll give a, a couple of guys, because I think these two are pretty close. Daniel Jones, gotta love that Cardinals matchup. We see what offenses do against the Cardinals week in and week out, and that only is reinforced by the Cardinals starting to figure things out offensively, so their offense is going to force your team to put up more points, especially when you're tied to a defense like the New York Giants. I think that could be a very high-scoring game between the Giants and the Cardinals so give me Daniel Jones uh, hopefully he gets Sterling Shepard and or Evan Ingram back this week maybe he gets Saquon Barkley back this week as well so could be a very nice spot for Daniel Jones against the Cardinals and then Kirk Cousins if you've been playing him the last couple of weeks as we've been advocating uh, against the Giants and the Eagles a tougher spot next week at Detroit but I also think maybe Minnesota opened up some of their own eyes with the way they've been able to throw the ball the last couple of weeks uh, a huge game out of Adam Thielen two weeks ago a huge game out of Stefan Diggs this past week so maybe even though the uh, run game and defense formula has been effective for them maybe they start to lean into that pass a little bit more and if they do Kirk Cousins could be a, a consistent enough option even against a tougher defense uh, than he's seen the last couple of weeks when the Vikings traveled to Detroit to take on the Lions in week seven how about the defense side of the uh, discussion here Funston any defenses that you uh, jump out at you as a good stream candidate in week seven well, first of all, let me say this is a terrible week uh, for defensive streaming. There is just some, there's just not a lot of uh, good options. So I'll throw out a deep one. Um, I'm going to say the New York Giants. You know, in in Yahoo's default scoring, they're the number twelve defensive scoring team, uh, and and they've you know averaging almost three sacks per game. Had they were averaging an interception per game, and they're going to be at home, and they're facing Arizona. And Arizona, you know, they're as you mentioned, they're kind of they're starting to roll a little bit, but it's still a rookie quarterback. And if you look at Kyler Murray, he's I think sixth in in among quarterbacks in getting sacked, has four interceptions so far, uh, can make some mistakes. So maybe you get a West Coast team having to go all the way over to the East Coast. It's a young quarterback playing in the biggest city uh, in North America, so. Could you know it could be a little bit of a hiccup for him in that one, considering all the external factors? So, I think the Giants, as far as a widely available defense, not a terrible way to go. Yeah, I agree with you there. And we've talked about this plenty of times. There's plenty of room. There's a there's a big window for an offense to play well and the defense to still have a decent fantasy day, right? Like, you don't need yeah. to you don't need to believe that the Giants are going to totally shut down Kyler Murray and the Cardinals to believe in their fantasy defense, uh, uh, 
possibilities. So well, it's just like you mentioned, you know, with Carolina last week going against Tampa and, and Jameis Winston, you know, Jameis Winston can get his numbers and still be very accommodating to the opposing defense. And we saw that play out <laughs> just yes, a little bit with uh, what six giveaways he had five interceptions yes, and a fumble. Yep. Yeah. Brutal. Exactly. Absolutely brutal. That's a team that uh, probably happy for the uh, for the bye week after that <laughs> London game against Carolina. Yeah, you're right. Funston. This is a, a pretty bad week on the uh, defense stream. Uh, I look at uh, the Colts-Texans matchup. Again, I think that's a spot where both offenses could do generally what they do, but the defenses could do enough. Uh, You like the Colts playing at home. You like the fact that uh, the Texans' offensive line can be leaky. Uh, I also like what we've seen from Houston. We know they've got playmakers on that side of the ball uh, going up against an Indianapolis offense that, while it's been effective, doesn't really scare you, right? They're not going to run you out of the mm-hmm. out of the stadium. So uh, I think either side of that matchup, if you need some help at defense, could be good. I also look at the Chiefs uh, taking on the Broncos on a short week in Denver. Uh, Denver's been in every game they've played this season, and they've won two straight games. But uh, again, this is not an offense that's going to really scare anyone. So I think you could take advantage of a bad quarterback in Joe Flacco or a below average league quarterback in Joe Flacco and, and trust the Chiefs to, you know, maybe force a couple of turnovers. But uh, again, it's a it's a week where I, I, I would be hoping that I've already got a defense I like because uh, the stream is pretty weak uh, going into week seven. Yeah, make sure you look at the defense that you have and, and, and be you know, consider keeping them. If you've been streaming week in and week out, this might be the week that you just hang on to the one you have. Yeah, even if you don't love the matchup necessarily, it's just not a week where there's a ton of readily available defenses with good matchups. So uh, not the best uh, not the best week to be streaming defenses, even though I still believe that's the optimal uh, way to handle the defense position. Well, actually, I believe the optimal way to handle the defense position in fantasy is to not have it personally <laughs> I, I i'm okay with that I'm that's okay what that. i think you know our, our buddy jake seeley is mr anti-kicker band kickers uh i think defense is a much bigger issue for the fantasy world than kickers well then then you then then it's on to the tight end next <laughs> running back quarterback and wide receivers flex only flex only <laughs> no no positions just flex there you go there you go we're, <laughs> we're gonna be there give us 20 years we'll yeah be right it'll be all flex all the time uh, that's gonna do it for us we have run out of time here on this episode of wire to wire thank you for listening again you can get me on twitter at mbeller and you can get brandon at Brandon Funston. Be sure to check out Jake's waiver column when it is available midnight Eastern on Monday. Say it every week. You pair that with this and you've got yourself a roadmap to making the right waiver claims over the next couple of days. Thank you again for listening to us. You can hear Brandon and I later this week with Jake on Wednesday on the ranking show. Until then, good luck with your claims. Have a good couple of days and thank you for listening to Wire to Wire here at The Athletic. The Athletic.